Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SPC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe. Hey Jonathan, how's it going? Same as last week, Amy. Same as the week before that. What, what day is it anymore? I mean, I only yeah. know that it's Friday because our podcast drops on Friday. Yeah, I tell you, it was a couple of weeks ago when I had to call from the other room to Keith and say, I'm about to ask a really dumb question, but what day is it? Because they do just all run together. Not but a dumb yes. question at all. Yeah, but it's end of the week. And really, even as we are in phase one where I live, going into the weekend, it looks a whole lot like all the weekends before. <laughs> yeah, and hey, next Which, weekend's a holiday weekend, though. I mean, big holiday. That's you got right. holiday plans next week? Well, we have a grill here. So, I mean, <laughs> we can do things at the house, but... I have to say, every weekend looking like the weekend before, I'm an introvert who loves to read, so I'm not complaining about those no. weekends. That's I do the point. same thing. I, I walk, my friend Christy Thornton and I, we walk around the neighborhood uh, on Saturdays and Sunday afternoons, and I read and I watch PBS documentaries. Mm. Well, I'm finally watching the country music documentary. I saved it for a time when I could really savor it, and that's what I'm doing. Well, no time like the present on that. And I, also, this is the last weekend of the last dance. That's the ESPN, right. That's the Michael right. Jordan documentary. Oh man, yep. what a thrill ride that's been. Golly, it's been great, and that's been fun to watch with Keith because you know Keith is he loves basketball and. We're watching all these things that were happening when we didn't know each other. And so he's kind of reliving it. And he's like, I remember that exact game, you know. And then I'll say, I remember uh, when this happened. And so we kind of talk about where we were and and stuff. So it's it's pretty fun to relive that together. Yeah. Well, it's a big weekend in the Howe House as well. Yeah. Yep. We have a new member of the Howe House. And least, tell us about. I'm, I'm picking him up this weekend. Okay, we a, tell us a, about it. a him. Lakeland Terrier that we've got, two-year-old, so it's house-trained already. So I was wise in that. We didn't go with the puppy option. But yeah, Very so nice. after not having so a dog for the dog. last uh, 18 months or so, we're, we're getting a do- another dog. So There you go. Excited so, about that. Cha- changing it up so during the stay check at Twitter home for, uh, and Instagram for, for pictures of the dog. Excellent. I'm sure they'll Very be Very cool. Well, congratulations uh, to the house. So as far as this week, kind of a light news week, but some of the news is big in and of itself or mm-hmm. even difficult Yes. since last Friday. So let's, yeah. uh, let, let's, let's jump in. Big announcement that came at the end of the week. Tell yeah, us. Big announcement from Lifeway. No camps this summer. They've canceled the July camps as well. Does not apply to Camp Crest Ridge and Camp Ridgecrest. Uh, just like we talked about last month, whenever they canceled the June camps. So we, we saw the June cancellation come around the middle of uh, March. I guess it's almost been two months now since they canceled the June stuff because that was right around the time we had canceled the uh, annual meeting. We had the annual meeting That's cancellation. Right. That's right. And, All happening. You know, had to happen there. And then Lifeway canceled the camps as well in June. Well, now add July to that list. So uh, I yeah. know a lot of campers are going to be upset about that. And uh, not having Fuge or Student Life or Center Kid or Infuge, whatever it may be, whatever you were going this year, that's a tough one. Uh, no July, no June. Yeah, and I hate it. And, uh, you know, because my kids went to Lifeway camps. Yeah, same. Beth was taking a group from the church, too. 
it's very hard, I know, for student ministries and then just for teenagers because my children love going. It's a really great experience for them. Mm-hmm. I can't say I'm completely surprised. You know, I actually just got an email from our town that all of our town events are canceled for the summer. So it's it's just kind of what, what you see happening when any of those events that are going to be large groups of people coming together many different places right from different places you know people just have to figure out do they have in place what they need to keep something from you know spreading and they a lot of them they just don't so not surprised i think a lot of camps everywhere are seeing this highly unfortunate and and also the camps themselves are i mean not it's sad for the kids that don't get to go obviously the student groups whatever it may be children's groups but these camps, I mean, that's a huge part of their revenue, huge part of their year. Now being empty in the main busiest parts of the year, the summer, right. uh, that's, a, that's a tough hit for places like uh, Ridgecrest and Shaco Springs and Camp Linden and, you know, just different places like that. And even yeah. the colleges, I mean, the colleges, you know, they use that to supplement their income at Campbellsville, at Union, at different places like that, um, Gardner-Webb, different, different schools. But... Not happening this year. No, not at all. Now, speaking of camps, we do have an article in Baptist Press this week about world changers oh, and just yes. kind of a history about that how, that Caleb that Yarbrough a did. A couple weeks ago, wasn't it, that they had canceled that for the year? Right, right. And that that is ended, you know. So it's a, just a story on how world changers changed Baptist missions. And so we've actually got a, an interview planned for next week about that. Yes, one of our favorite people, Carol Pipes. Will be joining us next week on the podcast. We're going to interview her about her involvement and, and really a lifetime of involvement at World Changers. She was at the Brotherhood Commission. She's like us, Amy. She's a multi-entity employee. She's been at three, the Brotherhood yes. Commission, NAM, and at, at Lifeway. So yeah. Carol's been at three different entities like I have and like you have. Um, nope, nope, nope. Four You've been at here. four. Oh, God. I think Clark yeah. Logan still beats us all. I think he's been at five. But she's she's been around World Changers for 20, 25 years. And so we'll get a firsthand perspective on World Changers next week from her. Really looking forward to talking to her. I had a chance to talk to her on the phone this week just about World Changers. And we were talking about maybe having her come on the podcast. And uh, it just just a delightful conversation. Carol's a delight anyway. I can't wait to talk to her next week on the pod. So don't miss that next week. That's right. All right. Some sad news. Last Friday missed our uh, publication deadline for the podcast. But... Darren Patrick, a former pastor in the Southern Baptist Convention and author. Many of you have probably heard Darren speak or seen Darren at an event. He's spoken at several pastors' conferences and SBC pastors' conferences as well. Uh, passed away last Friday at the age of 49. Oh, nope. Yeah. So as you said, we didn't get to, we didn't talk about this last week because it wasn't public when we were putting the podcast out. But I don't know about you, but that really, that really hit hard. And I think I was only around Darren one time. Keith and I were talking about this. I think I was around him once and, and he was around him once or twice. But he came to Southeastern Seminary last year when uh, when he had really sort of begun speaking again after leaving the journey and had been going through sort of a process as he was moving back into just some, he was, was a teaching pastor at Seacoast Church, but as he was coming back into more of a public presence, 
he came and preached a chapel message at Southeastern and really just talked about what he had learned. And that was an incredibly emotional thing to listen to. And uh, so we'll throw that in the show notes as well, in addition to the Baptist Press story, just to to hear some of his reflection on what all he experienced. But but really, really sad. I've not ever met his wife, Amy, but I have listened to her on a, a podcast and have seen some things where she's written about their experience and what they had learned from it. And I'm just crushed for his family. And, you know, so we'll, we'll, we'll put the link to the story there, but boy, that was, that, that's been really tough. It was just a sad, sad weekend after that. It was Amy. And you mentioned that video from Southeastern, uh, just a, an, a really poignant message, um, not just in the wake of everything that had gone on with Darren, but just in general for seminary students and those involved in ministry. So I would highly recommend folks taking a peek at that and listening to that message that he provided at Southeastern last year. Uh, some news from Lifeway, Amy, some, some research this time about pastors and churchgoers and how they differ on sermon length estimates. Very interesting. And the first line of this story from it, that Aaron Earls wrote says, when pastors begin to welcome back their congregations to in-person services, they may want to consider offering them a shorter sermon. So there you go. Little, little hint thrown out there. And, uh, it, it's talking about the, the estimates of pastor sermon lengths shorter than the estimates of their congregations. So, so here's what they think they preach less than they actually, than the, the people listening think they preach. That's right. So here's what they did. They did two surveys. This was back in September 2019. So it's pre-pandemic, but uh, the, they did two surveys of Protestant churchgoers and Protestant pastors. And then ask the questions about how long sermons run each Sunday. So this is very interesting. When asked how long their typical sermon is, 85% of Protestant pastors say it's less than 40 minutes. That they say the most common length of sermons is 15 to less than 20 minutes. That's about 22%. 20 to 30 uh, is 26%. 30 to 40 is 28%. But... 85% of pastors are saying their sermons are shorter than 40 minutes, but only 66% of churchgoers say the same thing. So what that means is what feels short to you feels long to others who are listening, perhaps. Yeah. Very interesting. Absolutely. And it, yeah. And so this, this release is really, is really good. It just shares a lot of, of things. It does say that some churchgoers say that they like longer sermons best. That's around one in 10. Um, but most most churchgoers say their sermon length preference falls between 20 and 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. What What's interesting to me is how churches will transition back to in-person gatherings. Because think about it, when you're watching online, you really know how long it's going because you've got a timestamp. So going back will be an interesting adjustment, I think. Yeah, some fascinating research there. Check that out over at Baptist Press for the full information from that study. So some final news and notes from around the Southern Baptist Convention. Barry McCarty 
is joining the Truett McConnell University faculty as professor of rhetoric and communication and will also develop and serve as the dean of the university's new school of communication. Many of you know Barry McCarty as he has served as the chief parliamentarian uh, since the mid-80s for the SBC annual meetings under 17 different presidents, Amy. He served. So congratulations to Dr. McCarty. Also, Patrick Schreiner is joining the Midwestern Seminary faculty as an associate professor of New Testament and biblical theology. He'll start there in August. Uh, Patrick is the son of Dr. Tom Schreiner, who uh, many of you know at Southern Seminary. So congratulations to Patrick. Yes, I took Tom Schreiner for New Testament. So... Well, this That's is definitely. not Tom. This is Patrick. I know. I know. Carry, carrying it on. And uh, so congratulations to both of them. And I I know that the students of Barry McCarty, especially in rhetoric, will be very blessed um, because he is known extremely well for his expertise in that. And I'm always fascinated the people that he knows in the release, the longer release that Truett McConnell had, they had a quote from Brian Garner and I'm geeking out over that, which you're probably not because you probably don't know who that is. No but clue. Look him, look him up. It's a big deal to get Brian Garner to give a quote about a rhetoric professor. So uh, those students will be, very blessed and will learn a just tremendous amount, the ones that will get to sit under him. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our news this week and bring us to my favorite part of the week. This week in SBC history, Amy, blow our minds. All right. So we're going to go to 1925. Remember, I told you last week that this is the time when annual meetings were happening. So we can always really get into historic. This is kind of a biggie. Yeah, this is kind of a biggie. And Luke Holmes already talked about this on Twitter this week. So I don't want to be, I want to be clear, not the first one. But this was the week in 1925 when the Southern Baptist Convention passed what they called the Future Program. It was the report of the Future Program Commission to the Southern Baptist Convention, a summary of progress in 1925 and suggested plans for the 1926 program. And that is, for those of you who maybe haven't studied much in 1925, the cooperative program. Or so as happy they put birthday. it then, the co-operative program. Yes. So I've got a, a link to the SBC annual from 1925 in there. And if you go to page 25 is when they really get started. But if you want to look a little bit earlier to page 22, you'll get to see the final report of the Conservation Commission of the 75 million campaign, which was the precursor to the cooperative program and uh, showed Southern Baptists they could come together and do something like this for a funding mechanism. So that's, that's where we are 95 years ago. We weren't just talking about the cooperative program. We were starting the cooperative program that's this awesome. week. This week in SBC history. 95. Yeah. So it really is interesting. It really is interesting to go and look at that report and just kind of see what all they were thinking. I enjoy digging around in that. Cool. All right. Well, that's that's kind of a big deal. I mean, last week we talked about the 175th anniversary of the Southern Baptist Convention being formed this week in SBC history. This week, it's 95 years ago, the cooperative program. So two, you know, these big pillars of... Southern Baptist anniversaries, I guess you could say, within a week of one another. So kind of a big deal. Yep. There you go. All right. That's going to bring us to our resources of the week. Amy, your resource of the week is? 
Uh, mine is a book that I may have actually used as a resource in the past before, but given the history moment, I'm going to throw it out there again. It's called Fundamentalism, Fundraising, and the Transformation of the Southern Baptist Convention, 1919 to 1925. It is a book by Andrew Smith, who is a history professor at Carson Newman, and it's in the America's Baptists series uh, that is... Uh, published big, big among church historians, published by University of Tennessee Press, and it really tells the story of the 75 million campaign, um, which kind of helps show how we got to the cooperative program. And it is fascinating. It's really fascinating to read some of the, the, um, things that they used to try and collect the pledges, which they didn't collect all of the pledges, but how they went about that. A lot of the ads that were in state papers well, wait, at the wait, time. Wait, like, like, what are we talking about here? I mean, we're, we're, are we not talking like shaking people down, are we, for the pledges? Um, you know what? You should just go and read it for yourself and see. There were some, there were some high profile people that had a lot to say publicly when they would be out about people who, who weren't making good on their pledges. So you should mm. go see how, see what all A.T. Robertson had going on. I believe it was him at that time. Then it has some really interesting, you know, ads that would be placed in state Baptist papers and, and stuff like that. So really fascinating book. I read it a few years ago and enjoyed it immensely. So if you're a student of history, I highly recommend it. It is not, it's University of Tennessee Press, so it's not cheap. I'm sorry to say that, but worth, worth the read. All right. Well, that sounds fascinating. Amy. I don't think we've ever talked about that one before. I know, I know that we've, uh, we've mentioned a lot of things about the cooperative program, but I don't know if we've ever mentioned that book. So that's fascinating. All right. So my resource of the week is a book. Uh, we mentioned Darren Patrick earlier, and one of my favorite books by him is a book that he and Matt Carter co-wrote, and it is called For the City. It came out in 2011. So this is an old book, but it's a very, very good book and just gives the history of, of Matt and planting Austin Stone Community Church there in Austin and Darren and planning the journey where he was at in St. Louis. So I, I just think it's a fantastic little book and uh, just still really holds true today. A lot of the principles and everything in it. So I, I recommending, I'm recommending that one as my resource of the week. And I don't think we've mentioned it here on the podcast, but Matt Carter recently has transitioned yeah. into a new role at Sagemont church in Houston. That's so right. he is, he has left, Austin Stone and transitioned into the pastorate at Sagemont. So a big church there on the south side of Houston. I know many, if you're familiar with the Houston area and the big churches in that area, there's there's three or four big, big churches and Sagemont is one of those. So just want to congratulate Matt Carter. He's a friend of the pod and uh, we've had him on a couple of things we've done at the SBC, the CP stage uh, a couple right. times. Yeah. And um, so really enjoy Matt and just excited for him and his new role over at Sagemont. All right. Well, Amy, a light week, as we mentioned. we got some big news, I think, coming next week uh, from the executive committee. So can't give that away just yet, but uh, stay tuned, folks, to Baptist Press on Monday. Yep. And, uh, Announcements of things to come. Got, got a couple things in the hopper for you uh, and the rest of the Southern Baptist Convention later in the summer. So it uh, should be some fun stuff uh, coming out of the executive committee next week. So keep an eye on that. Wish me all the luck in the world with the new dog in the house. See how that's going to go. We'll, we'll have to get an update. Hoping that goes well. And, uh, and, and my wife is, is not too upset about all this. So I finally get her to, to break down on this and, uh, and okay it. So 
we're excited. The kids are pumped, so we'll see. So anyway, well, thanks for joining us, folks. We'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>